the free for all roundtable round two on round two let's say good morning to bob richardson news talk 1010 contributor senior counsel at national public relations michelle morrow is here she is a music teacher deb hutton former advisor to two ontario premiers and actually before we get down to politics and all that stuff uh bob richardson is every everything unfolding as it should at fifa uh, it seems to be. It's actually been a very, very interesting World Cup. The games have been great. Uh, will be a very good week. Uh, I do want it noted that uh, the two teams that uh, beat us, uh, Morocco and Croatia, are in the final four. So I think it says a lot about the uh, strength and depth of our team. A little bit more experience. We'll be back. Okay. And so you do take some comfort out of the fact that people who beat us were not immediately then beat by somebody else. One hundred percent, I do. Okay, uh, let's start with the story that we were telling a little earlier in this hour, and in detail very early this morning at five thirty-five, when an Ontario mum joined me on the show, and she was here to talk about her, about her four-year-old son. They live in Simcoe. They always knew they were going to have to travel when their son got particularly ill, but they ended up being flown three hundred and fifty kilometers, where their son is still under treatment, and it's still very, very far from home. Deb Hutton. I'll start with you on this one. I don't know if, you know, isolated cases are always going to be instructive about the general health of our healthcare sector, but this is just, this plays into the fears that a lot of people have increasingly that there's just not a hospital and long-term care capacity and people are ending up in far-flung places. Yeah, and listen, I feel for this mom because it's just like, it's so hard to be away with one kid sick and one home and I've been there. She does acknowledge that obviously when you live in a smaller town in Ontario, healthcare is not, uh, I don't, high-end healthcare is not as close to home as any of us would like it, but that is the reality of our system. And, and I think it's the way it should be. Is this indicative of where we are? Yeah. I actually worry that it is, that we need to build more capacity. However, I will say, uh, and Bob will appreciate this. I spent, I don't know how many hours in the lead up to the 1999 election finding neonatal beds for moms who needed them and for babies who needed them. That was our crisis of the day. And as a result of that, like seriously, I sat in the premier's office and made phone call to individual hospitals to place individual families. That was the level of problem we had. And we fixed it. We added far more neonatal units to hospitals. So is there a lesson here we have to to uh, learn from and build out? Absolutely. Does it happen overnight? No. Does it mean the whole system is a mess? Absolutely not. But this is instructive. I have to think for a lot of parents of young kids right now, you just cross your fingers and hope that they're, I mean, you always hope they're going to have good health, but you hope nothing goes wrong right now because hospital capacity seems to be such an issue. Michelle Morrow, what about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I'm always, I make the joke to my kids. I'm like, just don't hurt each other enough. You have to go to the hospital because <laughs> they're two boys and they do like to fight. Um, but I, I agree with what Deb just said is that there is a problem right now. We need to, we need to find a solution for it. But I, I agree that I don't think it's indicative of the failure of the entire system. Um, I do take some comfort in the fact that they were able to find her a bed. They were able to airlift Remy there. Um, he's having really good care. I love that the mom was, um, over the, I think she said literally over the moon for the care that he's yeah. receiving. I love that the hospital welcomed them with open arms and was like, yes, we can take care of your child. So I'm trying to take comfort in that to know that if 
someone I know is in that scary situation, we might not be close to home, but at least they are getting good care where they are. Bob Richardson, I'd also add that uh, ever since, you know, ever since I got to Ontario and ever since I started doing radio in Toronto, people are always talking about us being in a healthcare crisis. It's kind of hard to get a pulse on things when everybody's always pressing the alarm button. Uh, I, I agree, and I agree with uh, Deb Michelle on this one. I don't think this story is representative. Uh, this story could have occurred any time in the last three decades under any of the parties that have been in power. Uh, I think uh, just it's a small town. It's more of a small town story than it is uh, a, a, a healthcare crisis story. That doesn't mean that we don't have a crisis in healthcare. That doesn't mean that we don't need to increase capacity. But I don't think this story is representative of that. There is a by-election today, and as many pundits have observed, by-election is only important if you get your way. And looks like the Liberals will probably carry this today. This is a federal by-election, and of all people, um, Mr. D'Souza, the former finance minister, is running on behalf of the Liberals. Uh, but Michelle Morrow, do you think that there's going to be any, any takeaway? Do you think we'll be talking about this tomorrow morning? I think we might just be touching on it because if it goes whatever way it goes, we'll see. Say, see, it's a we will say it's a reflection of what we want to see, right? Like I am one of those people where um, I I'm really flip floppy with my votes. I tend to vote for the person in my riding that I really like and I think will serve me and my family the best. But there's always people out there who hate vote and they vote because they will vote for Polyev for the person representing Polyev because they hate Trudeau or vice versa. I feel like we can always spin it and we won't know how Polyev will do until we're in an actual election. Bob Richardson most of the time this riding is held by the Liberals, but the Conservatives were elected in it when Stephen Harper, if I'm remembering correctly, got his one majority government. So I imagine if the Conservatives were to win it today, everybody would say, look, that's it, Trudeau's done. And if they don't, the Conservatives will say, yeah, we weren't, we weren't going to win this anyway. I think that's probably true. Look, the Liberals have exactly the right candidate in this by-election, Charles Souza. Yeah, he's very popular in Mississauga Lakeshore, former finance minister. They've run a very strong campaign. Half the cabinet's been out there, including the prime minister, campaigning for him. But what is odd is the Conservatives haven't run a great campaign. They picked an obscure candidate. They have had odd issues. They won't speak to the media, most notably the Toronto Star, and they don't show up to all candidates' meetings. I don't know how that is a winning formula when you're looking to win marginal seats uh, and form a national government. I think they've still got work to do. Okay. Anything from you, Deb? No, I mean, I, I agree with what Bob says. By-elections are weird, weird things. Sometimes they're referendums quite often on the governing party. Uh, the Liberals will say that this was a referendum on Pierre Polyev, uh, and there's some truth to all of that. It's also GTA riding, so the amount of Ontario news that people in that riding get, I think, is overwhelming, uh, meaning Queen's Park and Doug Ford and all of those issues that, that t seem to be top of mind for a lot of folks these days. And the bottom line here is D'Souza still has massive name recognition, and in a by-election, that actually does matter quite a bit. I just found myself looking at everybody else who's uh, lost something at Queen's Park. I was wondering why he didn't run for mayor of something, but anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, Elon Musk says he's planning on increasing Twitter's character limit to 4,000. Much earlier in the show, I shared my favorite quote about writing, which is a guy handing in something to an editor and saying, sorry, it's so long, I didn't have enough time. Um, Michelle Morrow, the whole charm, I thought, of Twitter was trying to figure out how to squeeze it all in. 
Agreed. I don't want to read a manifesto every day from certain people. I like short tweets. I like how uh, succinct people can be. Um, and if it's a comedian, I feel like like I follow Rob Delaney. I think he's really funny. I feel like he would make good use of a longer Twitter. But a lot of people, I'm like, no, 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 just say less. Just say less. Although I will say, Deb Hutton, something that I can't stand is when somebody says, you know, there's a, a tweet and then it says thread and you see they're going to go on for 30 tweets. Yeah, I know. It's like one of seven, one of nine. It, it, it is really kind of crazy. Look, I, I don't care. I have to say. So you want to change the type of platform it is? Change it. Uh, and I will like it or I won't like it. And people will continue where they won't. Like, I, I don't know why we spend so much time talking about these platforms when it was in its infancy and it was new and it was fresh and it was different than the other social media platforms. Great. But we have far more platforms now than, than when that was the case. And choose what you want. Use it for what you want. I'm just sick and tired of talking about Elon Musk and Twitter. Okay, Bob Richardson, um, I, I tend to agree with Deb. There are times when I'm on Twitter, and it's less and less these days, where I think, you know, this is kind of a bell jar, and there's not a lot of people in it. Yeah, and look, uh, I, I don't know uh, too many people out there screaming for more Twitter and uh, and longer notes. Uh, I think it's absolutely the wrong direction to go in. I think less is better. I think he should be uh, encouraging people to be nice and smart, not longer. Uh, and uh, I agree with Deb. I just don't care that much about it. And if it turns into a platform I, I don't like, I won't use it. So a Canadian judge has actually certified a class action suit against the creators of a game called Fortnite. The accusation is that the game has been made deliberately addictive. And so we're really almost back like in the 90s and 80s where we were with tobacco. Uh, Bob, are you buying? Uh, I think that's a bit strong. I think, uh, uh, look, I, I think it'll be very tough to prove in court. Uh, tobacco you can approve because, you know, obviously there were medical consequences. Um, I think we need to, I, but I do think gamers will probably have to be cautious going forward. And I think labeling some of these things or at least indicating that there, there, you know, concerns have been raised probably wouldn't be a bad thing, but, uh, I don't know if it hits that threshold that, uh, it'll survive in court. Although, Michelle Morrow, people kind of had the same response back when the first lawsuits were filed against Big Tobacco because people said, listen, you chose to smoke, you smoked, you got cancer, everybody knew smoking was bad for you. Um, and then, of course, you know, billion-dollar settlements. Yeah, it's it, it's strange to think how um, we looked at cigarette smoking back then and how we look at it now. Um, I have had cigarette smokers in my family, and I know how hard it was for them to quit. It's made. I'm torn. I think we talked about it or talked about it, not us on the roundtable last week. How it's uh, with this one specifically, it's a bit more of a parenting thing. Like, do we say that the parents should have controlled it more, or do we say the game is really addictive? Um, my young, my oldest had have surgery at one point, and um, he was given a liquid narcotic, and I was very nervous about it. I reached out to my sister, who's a doctor. And she was like, you're the parent. You will control it. You don't need to worry about it. And I wonder if that was also the case with this video game. Could the parents have controlled it better? Deb Hutton, I, I guess you could argue, just pull the plug on the thing. But that can, you know, if you have a kid who is genuinely addicted to something like that, that's going to lead to a major scene, not, not an ordinary one. And that's on the parent, full stop, John. This makes me crazy. I, I, I said last week on this topic, I, like, I, I just, I don't like that we are becoming more and more litigious here. And I always thought Canadians weren't as much and our courts weren't as much. This is, I think, a really wrong decision on the part of the judge. Parents give, as do I, 
our kids iPhones and, and iPads, and we give them, in some cases, we don't, but people give their kids credit cards. Well, what do you expect? And if you're not monitoring what they're doing, it's on you. It's not on the gamers. And, and you know, you can be addicted to anything, quite frankly, if you have that kind of personality or if you are allowed to go down that path. At some point, personal responsibility as individuals, as adults, and personal responsibility in terms of how we care for our children is on us, not on the things we buy, and not, should not be in the courts. Michelle Morrow, are you excited by NASA's Artemis One moon mission, or should we just leave this one to Dan Reskin? Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I'm such a nerd like this. <laughs> I read the article and I thought it was so cool. I, I do not have a scientifically laid brain. I'm very much an artist. And so reading the extent that the scientists have gone through and the mathematicians and the fact that it came in at 32, Mach 32, just blows my mind. I love reading about this, but I realize I am in the small population who get really excited by nerdy things about space. But the fact that we could send people to the moon in like by 2025 just like blows my mind. And that they would live there. You're absolutely right. We're going to have to call it there because we've got network news at nine o'clock. So my thanks to our pundits on round two, Michelle Morrow, Bob Richardson, Deb Hutton. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.